live from the Virtual Summit, the Core presents Sales Training Boot Camp with Gavin Ekstrom and Ben Wilson. Today's topic, how to get your offer accepted in a low inventory market. All right. Well, welcome. Let's first make sure that you're in the right class. How to get your offer accepted in a low inventory market. And uh, this is both a agent and lender class, so we're excited. I want to go over the rules of the class. We are going to leave the last 15 minutes for Q&A. So type all of your questions as you think of them in the chat box, and then Cassie's going to compile them and then send them out at the end, and we'll answer those questions. We'll make sure we get to it. The goal of this class is that you walk away with just one nugget. If you walk away with one nugget, we want a five. If we totally screw it up, we want a four. That was funny, so laugh. Um, all right, so show me by hands. Who agrees to that? We're going to make it a little interactive. All right, before I get started, I get the distinct pleasure to introduce Ben Wilson. And many of you know Ben just shared his 10 years with the core. Uh, what I feel like you should know about Ben is he is just the master at his craft, and he is always very poised. I mean, look at him now. He's just kicked back, relaxed. It, one good aspect in leadership is to never let them let never let them see you sweat. And I feel like Ben lives up to that. But what I like most about Ben is that he is a truly a true family guy. What you see is what you get. Uh, his beautiful wife and his two kids, Gavin and Grace. What a great name. And I thought that was only pairing that you and I work together on this class. So, Ben, why don't you go ahead and take it away? Absolutely. Thanks so much. So this is the first time that Gavin and I have ever taught together and, and had a chance to, to teach a class. And I was super excited. I was actually talking to my son. I get the opportunity to talk to my son just about every day, even though he's in college. And I was telling him that I was teaching with another Gavin. And and he was saying, does he know how my, how I got my name? And I said, I don't think I've told him that. And I said, I was at a concert. I was at a Bush concert when I was 16 years old. I didn't even, I wasn't even dating anybody at this point in time. But this young man got up there and started singing and they announced his name, the lead singer for this group called Bush. And they said, Gavin. And as soon as they said his name, I literally looked over to my best friend at that time of my life and I said, when I have my first boy, I'm going to name him Gavin because it stood out to me that much. And so when I got married, I told my wife, as soon as we had boys, I was going to name him Gavin. So now here I am finally teaching. First time I've ever taught with a Gavin outside of my son. So super cool. One of the best things I will tell you all about a class like this is that it's relevant to today. You know, with us and as we continue to press forward and improving our skill sets, getting better and better each and every day, becoming the greatest version of ourselves, we have to understand what's relevant today and what's relevant for a long period of time. So by a raise of hands, how many of you all have lost an offer that's been put in place either by yourself or by one of your agents in the last six months? Okay. Cool. Well, I will tell you that my team, we got smacked in the face about three months ago with this because here in Nashville, which is where I'm from, our market, our inventory is completely depleted. And as we look through what ways that we can continue to improve, we realized that we were missing the mark on several areas. 
when we were losing cash deals over full price over and over and over again. Like, we didn't just lose one. We didn't just lose two. I think we went on a streak over a two-month period of time. We lost 20 offers, cash offers, over full price. And I remember calling one of the agents and saying, you know what? Like, I'm just ultimately confused. We eliminated appraisal contingencies, inspection contingencies. We were over full price. We were cash. How in the world did we lose it? And this is when I realized we had to make a change in how we were approaching things. He said, you didn't seem like you cared. And my clients were super emotional about the sale of their house and who was getting it. And it was at that point I realized I wasn't being prepared in the process. I wasn't asking the right questions. I wasn't going through some of the fundamental things that's gotten me and our company to where we're at today. So one of the things that Gavin and I really want to accomplish today is helping you understand some of the right questions to ask, how to be prepared prior to the offer, how to actually present an offer, and then how to follow up after your offer is presented before they make a decision, a final decision. And then even bigger, guys is that we want you all to walk away from this class valuing and understanding the lender and agent relationship and how powerful that marriage can be in the process of getting offers accepted. Because who wants to waste their time having to continue to write more and more and more and more offers? I will tell you that today I'm coming to you because we screwed up so bad that this I knew it was going to be a perfect class for me to teach because I feel like we made every mistake possible. So when we get to the end, there's going to be a lot of role playing that we're going to do today. There's going to be a lot of Q&A that we're going to leave time for at the end because every one of your all's markets, although you all are dealing with different types of circumstance, different values of houses, different types of buyers, we believe that there's a fundamental foundation, there's a fundamental process that we can go through in order to get us home and get us to the promised land, which is accepted offers. Now, before I hand it over to, to Gavin to really talk about how to prepare an offer and how to get an offer initiated prior to the actual presentation, I want you all to get your minds in the right space. Yesterday, when I was going through the summit, it's super weird for me to not be live. I love physical interaction. I love to be engaged with people live. I feed off of that type of energy. And I'll be honest with you, doing this whole video and virtual lifestyle is miserable to me. And I started the summit yesterday completely in the wrong mind space. And I went to the general session, and then I had a class that I had to teach, and I completely felt just distant and, and, and aloof in the entire process, and I wasn't engaged. And so today I want us to start off simply by getting in the right mindset. And the reason I bring this up, because as we get in the right mindset for this class and the rest of today and what we're going to accomplish in the summit, I believe the same principles will apply on how we get accepted offers by being in the right mindset, the right belief system, to get accepted offers. As I'm looking around all of these beautiful faces, the first thing I want to share with you 
is that when you believe in something strong enough, it's inevitable that it will happen. What we think about will come about. And when we start working on getting accepted offers, which is the end result, we have to truly believe it. Gandhi said it like this. He said, your beliefs become your thoughts. Your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions. Your actions become your habits. Your habits become your values. Your values become ultimately your legacy. And if you go to the very beginning of it, what he was saying is, is if you don't believe it, you will never feel and see the achievement of your desired results. So for us, we have to start off today in the right mindset that we have to truly believe we're going to walk away with this class with one beautiful nugget that we can take back and improve both ourselves, our productivity, and our businesses. So what I'd like to do is I want to hand it back over to Gavin. And Gavin, if you could get us started on how is it from a lender's perspective that we really get everything prepared even prior to making an offer. Thank you. I, that's where it starts is the proper preparation, right? And it's setting the right expectation up front with not only your realtor, your referring realtor, but also the client. Timelines are longer now than ever before. We used to tout that we could close in 10 days or less. That's not something that we're pushing out. So I think it starts with expectation. And that is also on from the agent's perspective on how you refer your lender. And we're going to talk more about that. But the idea of giving three cards just says that none of your lenders are, are worth a darn. And it shows you that you really don't have the trust in any one of them. So we got to remember that our clients want to be led. They're coming to you for a reason. So you've got to do a good job of leading them to your lender. And my opinion is one card. Give them that one card, and that's who you're leading them to. If it doesn't work out, they'll come back and tell you. So it starts there. I want to ask you, Ben, how do you refer your lender? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head immediately is that if you're giving away multiple cards, that shows a lack of confidence. So the first thing that you have to understand is that when you refer a lender, you have to be confident in their skills and what they bring to the table. And for me personally, I've been very fortunate to be working with the same lenders for about 10 to 15 years between the three different, four different key lenders that I work with. But the first step in that process is making sure you understand your client. You need to understand, is this client an emotional client? Is this client an analytical client? Is this client somebody who's super strong and always wants to be in control, right? The whole head, heart, and guts thing, right? When we understand our clients, we then understand how to match them with the correct lender, right? Because let's be honest, Gavin, and you correct me if I'm wrong, all of you all lenders, for the most part, have the same products available, Correct. Correct. So then it really comes down to connection, process, right, and execution. Write that down. Connection, process, and execution. So for me, I have to know my client first, and this is how I teach my agents as well, to dive in and figure out exactly what type of client that they're working with. Then I hand that client off to the lender that I feel is going to give them not just the optimal best rates or best terms, 
but the best experience, right? The best connectivity. And when we have agents and clients or lenders and clients that are super connected, it builds this beautiful foundation we call trust. Mm-hmm. And guys, I will just tell you that if you don't have trust, both between you and the lender's relationship and you and the client's relationship, all the other things that happen after that are going to be a struggle, a fight, and a literally a frustrating circumstance. So I think that's yeah. the first step that I have in, in referring a, a lender to our, uh, to our clients. So often now when we talk about referring, I know a lot of the clients come pre-approved, right? The biggest mistake I see being made with agents when it's a pre-approval from a U.S. bank or big box bank, if you heard what Ben said, he's worked with his lenders for 10 years. He can advocate for them. One way of shifting, of being able to move that client to your lender that you trust, right? And you remember the triangle of trust, but if you move it to that person is by being able to advocate for that lender. See, when the offer comes in or when they, they submit the offer, you can't advocate for that big box lender or that lender you've never done business with. And in today's market, that is one of the many steps we're going to talk about is the lender realtor relationship. Ben likes to call it the trust and the money. And we're that money part of it, right? So, um, when you refer the lender, what can you just go through how you refer your current lenders now to a client? If I was already pre, pre-qualified, what would you say? Absolutely. So here's the, here's the deal. So we've established a relationship with the client. Can we role play for a second, Gavin? Are you good with that? Yeah, absolutely. Right, so you're going to be the client, and Gavin is going to be my future lender. So you're both a client and my lender now. It's going to be beautiful, right? You get to make both choices. Love it. So I'm going to sit down with my client. I'm going to go, look, here's the deal, Gavin. We are stepping in. I know you've already gone online and you got your pre-approval from this beautiful online super big box company and they gave you a ridiculously low rate, right? Yes. I know for a fact because you were referred to me that you trust me immensely. Would you agree with that? Absolutely, Ben. Fantastic. So I'm going to tell you to tear that up immediately. Okay. Okay, because it is irrelevant to what we're going to be doing moving forward. Right now, we are 100% in a seller's market. Inventory is low. Our opportunities are minimized. So I need to get you with someone that's going to take us all the way through the finish line. All right? So the person that I'm going to be referring you to is one of my great friends. He's been with me over 10 years. His name is Gavin. All right? And Gavin, I can give you his last name. I can give you his kids' names. That's how tight I am with him. But the only thing you need to understand is that when Gavin tells you to do something, you do it through the entire process. Can you commit to that for me? Absolutely. Wonderful. So I'm going to set up a call with you and him, okay, within the next probably 15, 20 minutes. I've already let him know that you all are going to get connected. And what's going to happen is he's going to walk you through everything he needs from you because before I can present an offer or take the next step on a purchase or a property for you to make sure you get the optimal results, right, He has to have all this information locked and loaded, okay? He's who I trust, just like you trust me. So I'm going to make that connection, and we're going to rock and roll from here. We're going to make this deal happen for you. I love it. I just feel like if more agents would sell their partner, because that's what we are, is we are a partner. We want to bring us together, right? 
they don't see us any different than you. It's a we, us together. We're one in the same. But if you're not referring your lender that way, that is one of the misses that you're having in getting your offer accepted. We're going to go through this recipe for success, and that is where it all starts. Lenders, I also want to urge you is to stop doing paper applications. Follow your process. As Rick always talks about McDonald's, right? It's it's two pickles on every cheeseburger no matter where you, you go. Our process is always credit, asset, income, and collateral, not on a napkin, right? Either face-to-face or over the phone. Don't send them the link because that makes you just like the big box lender. So um, starting with expectation, average transaction turn time right now, Ben, is how many days in your market? Probably 30 to 35 days. Which is consistent, and I think across the board, right? And so in this market, it's also setting that that up uh, with the client, letting them know that, hey, this is what you can expect. I also feel like it's the lender's responsibility to make the client aware that you don't always get the first house that you offer on. To to weave in that relationship, the money and the trust, is we have to get them to trust us as well. But we've got to be an advocate for the for the agent. We can sell the agent better than the agent can sell themselves. And that's also to your client that they referred in, as well as when we get to a role play and we're talking about the listing agent. Write that down specifically. We don't always get the first offer or house that we make offer on because that's setting expectations. And I think that is one of the biggest things we have to do in a low inventory market in order to get there. We have to set correct expectations. Great point, Gavin. Yeah. Um, we talked about the, the pre-approval letter. When you really have a client come meet with you and bring all of their docs, then you can really issue a true pre-approval letter. So often, I think we as lenders put the agent in the position of just writing a contract when the client may or may not even be qualified. Yeah, it looks good. I don't do that anymore. I make sure that I have all of their documentation. I have all of the information to do my job because, believe it or not, I have been fired by more agents than I want to account to. The reason for that is I followed either their process and they may not have had one or I thought that I I knew it all and I missed that they were also self-employed or I missed something. So every single time my process is unified. It's the same every single time. So uh, setting the client up for success. What we do is obviously a full pre-qualification. In addition to that, when a client comes in or we meet with a client, the, there's a form in the core called the RX form. The RX form gives the agent both the maximum that they can qualify as well as the goals of where they are most comfortable. There's nothing worse than when Ben is going out to write an offer and they, he doesn't know how high that the client can qualify for. And, and basically, they have to track me down. I've got six kids. I'm at a soccer game skiing something, and I can't get to it right away. That is putting the agent in a position where they're not prepared. So using that RX form will put the agent in a position of preparation. 
So pre-qualification letter, fully qualified, um, and the RX form. So when they're out looking at property, they know minimum and maximum of what they can qualify for. Those are the initial steps in pre preparing the client to making an offer. Anything you want to add there, Ben? I want to share something. So we were uh, we were having our pre-meeting before we get our date started today, and, and Rick was talking to us, and he was talking specifically about how successful people, one of the keys for successful people in this world is a supportive spouse, right? And it got me thinking because I think about how supportive my spouse is and how important she has been to allowing me to, to go out here and, and grind every day and be able to build something that I could be proud of, right? And to be able to make some things happen. Well, I started thinking about that, and I was like, how important is it to have a supportive lender or a lender that has a supportive realtor and what that relationship looks like for the keys for success moving forward? So then I thought a little bit deeper, and I thought about my lenders that I work with, and I was like, all of my lenders that I work with, I literally live life with them. Right. They are supporting me, not just personally, but professionally at a high level. So, guys, one of the keys to getting offers accepted, I'm just going to share with you, is having a supportive lender from the realtor's perspective. And I want you all to walk away from this class today, understanding the value and the power of the relationship between the lender and a realtor. Right. And how important that can be, because a lot of times we don't talk about that. You know, it's always. What's the rate? How much is their closing cost? How quickly can they close, right? All those type of things. And I'll tell you that that stuff matters, but not nearly as much as having that support on the back end. So what would you break down, Gavin, as the top three things that you have to have, just simply broken down the top three things that you have to have prior to making an offer? The top three things that you have to have prior to making an offer, and I like the supportive, I'm going to go to the client, is they've got to be fully qualified, right? We as lenders and real estate agents, we need to know what their real estate goals are, both short-term and long-term. So when I meet with a client, that is something I ask them, Ben, will you help me understand what your short-term and long-term real estate goals are. That is something you should write down and ask every single client. Second home sales are the highest that they've ever been. If we ask that client in the beginning, we would find out that there are more people buying second homes or have a goal of buying a second home, and in a market like this, we're able to help them. The other question I love to ask them is the most important thing, MIT. What, Ben, what is the most important thing during this transaction? From a lender's perspective, we always think it's rate. Yeah. And a lot of times it's just high communication. Treat me like you would as if you were buying a home. So those three things are what I look for to set an agent up for success. The other part, too, with the agent and uh, lender relationship is high communication, if I know that, that Kimberly Austin, the agent I work with, is taking out Ben Wilson, I don't want to know the day that they're writing the contract. I want to know the day before. So I can reach out to Ben and make sure Ben is properly prepared mentally, right? We talked about that in the beginning. Hey, it's tough out there. 
I want to set you up for success. Let's make sure that, that you know the payment, the monthly investment, and the down payment on every home you're going to go see. That just makes it, that puts them in a position to win. And that's what we want to do. We want to put the client and the agent in the position to win. But also remind them that this isn't an easy task. It's going to take multiple offers. Mentally prepare them, as Ben was alluding to in the beginning. So those are my three things. What do you do before you write an offer in prepping the client? So here's what I'm going to share with you, very simply put. Everybody who has had extreme success in anything in their life, they all have one key component. They ask a ton of questions. They ask questions about questions about questions. So the one thing I would add as we have a qualified buyer know their end results, you know, the things that you just shared with us, is that we also need to call the agent of the house that's listed and know what their seller's objective is in this transaction as well. Prior to making an offer, we need to know from their perspective what is important to the seller. And I will tell you, that's probably the greatest question. And when they go and they give you an answer, dive in deeper. Because generally, it's two, three, four layers deep. And guys, I will share with all of you all, the more information that you have on the front end, the better you are going to be in the offer process. So basic fundamentals, make sure that they're qualified, know the objective of the, of the seller, know the objective of the buyers that are going in, both short-term and long-term, are all key components. So let's slide in, if you're okay, Gavin, let's slide into actually making the presentation and making the offer, right? Because we talked about pre-offer, right, making the offer and post-offer. What does that process, in your opinion, from a lender's perspective, look like? And then I'm going to show you what our company's process has been for the last four months. I want to backtrack before we get to that. So real quick, he, he touched on something there, asking questions, right? I always say you want to ask, you want to make more money, ask better questions. And what we all fail to do, and Rick gets on us all the time, is listen. If you listen to that listing agent, they will give you clues on price, uh, motive, like desperation if they have to sell. The problem is, is we don't listen enough. We have two ears and one mouth. We need to listen more than we speak. We already know the answer to the question, but sometimes we just got to slow down to, to take that in. So I wrote down six to one. Six if I was a, an agent for every one question that that agent asks me, I'm going to ask them six questions back. It's the difference between being interested Versus interesting. We want to be interested in that agent. It's their listing. How beautiful it is. Build that up. Right? Asking those questions. We've all been through therapy. Hey, Ben, what else? Tell me more about that. Right? How did you get this listing? Those are all good questions I feel like we should be asking in our research uh, stage of presenting the offer. Let me ask you a question, Gavin. In the last um, in the last three months, how much? I mean, how many loans have closed for your team? Uh, in the last three months, we've been averaging eighty six loans a month. Okay, that's silly, guys. 
86 loans a month for Gavin's team. That's absolutely silly. All right? Well, that's – and that's that's me personally. Yeah, that's you personally. That's just you, Gavin, right? How much for your entire team? So entire team, we've closed over 100. My branch has closed over 3,000 loans year to date. Year to date. Do you think he knows what's important through the process, right? How many of you all are using lenders that are closing four and five deals a month right now? I will tell you that experience is the greatest teacher. And someone, just from my perspective, that someone who's closed over 3,000 with their team, right, or 80 a month as an individual, I want that person on my side. So are we interviewing our lenders, right? And that's just a point that I wanted to make as we step in. A couple of things, even before we dive into presenting an offer that I wanted to hit on that I actually wrote down here as we were talking is we need to ask the agents on the front end before we even present an offer on the front end if they're willing to work with escalation clauses. That's become very popular in our market. And some agents we have found, believe it or not, don't understand them, so therefore they don't like them, and then therefore they don't present them effectively, right, which I think is super important. So asking that question, the next question is, is asking your clients if they would will it be willing to put down a hard earnest money. What I mean by that is when that deal gets accepted, it is, if the, you walk away from that deal, it is staying with the listing agent, and the, I mean the listing client, Okay the sellers, are they willing to go down that road? And then the third thing is ask if the sellers need any type of post-closing occupancy. That's another big question that we can ask on the front end as far as questions asked. Gavin has some great insight that we have in the book, and then we're going to also share with you on questions to specifically ask. Let's dive in to yeah. now. Presenting the offer, what is the process from a real estate agent's perspective? What do we believe best practices look like moving forward? So process of presentation, like I shared with you all earlier, this process has become available to us because of losing so many deals. So let me be clear. I have lost so many deals. My company has lost so many deals we had to put a process in play. We couldn't fly by the seat of our pants any longer. Process over people equals profit. It happens all the time. Number one thing, before presenting the offer and at the time, you have to call or do a face-to-face video call with the agent to break down the offer to the agent. That is first and foremost. The second thing is, is after you've made that call, then you email the offer with a video or a written letter to the buyer. I'm looking on here right now, and I have multiple people on this call in this class right now that I have presented offers for that can attest that we did videos, we did letters prior to presenting offers. And it matters. The next step in the process is that you have to have your lender call the listing agent to provide that level of confidence that this buyer is super, super solid. 
creating that confidence with the listing agent. I don't know about your all's markets, but every, everybody in Nashville thought that they could become the next great realtor. Therefore, we have a lot of newbies in our market. So we got a lot of people that are new. They're extremely confident. They're extremely arrogant, right? And they think that they know everything. And so I have to give them confidence that this deal is going to go all the way through because they're trying to find deals for themselves so they can double-side it a lot. Helping that lender give confidence to these listing agents so they can have confidence to their buyer or their sellers is a big piece of the puzzle. The final step in this five-step process is very simply put, once you've presented, once the lender has actually called, once you've gone through those first four steps, to call and confirm that no other offers have been presented. We started tracking six months ago how many transactions get in multiple offers. We are in a market where we're at where just a hair bit over 70% of the offers that we're making are in multiple offers. And the majority of the time, we don't find out until after all the offers have been presented. How cool is it when you can present an offer, you know you're in a multiple offer status, you go ahead and put your best foot forward. For a listing agent, if I take one hat off and put the other one on, for a listing agent, I love it when I don't have to get multiple documentations, multiple emails going back and forth. I already have a great completed offer right there in my hands, and I don't have to sit there and sift through and figure out what came when. I think that's super important to understand in the process. So let me ask you this, Gavin. When you call a listing after an offer has been presented to them, right, when you call, what would that conversation look like? Well, should we role play it? I think that would be awesome. Okay, so first thing, no offense, agents, but you never answer. So I do this. I will immediately call right back. So I call. You don't answer. I'm not leaving a voicemail. I'm going to immediately call you back. Chances are you'll answer then. And if Ben was to answer, I would say, Ben, I'm so sorry. Your voicemail cut me off while I was getting ready to leave a message, but I'm glad you answered. Okay, that's one tactic. The other, the other tactic along those lines is when you call, I like to do a little research. Do I know the agent? Have I worked with them before? What, what agency do they work with? And do I have a relationship with somebody there? That builds the trust. Okay. You ready to go? Let's do it. Ring, ring. Hello, this is Ben. Mr. Ben Wilson, thank you for taking my call. My name is Gavin Ekstrom. I'm with Cross Country Mortgage. Don't worry, you don't know me. We've never had the opportunity to work together. But I know that you're about to receive a listing on your home located at 123 Elm Street. You have just a minute? I do, yes. Perfect. Ben, the purpose of my call is to tell you what the pre-qualification letter doesn't. Follow me? Yes. Okay, good. Well, let's talk about the client. The client, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, have been fully qualified. And what I mean by that, fully underwritten. Their credit has been verified. Their assets are in the bank. It's non-contingent. They don't have a home to sell. Okay? We can close this transaction in 30 days 
or less if necessary. I just need to know ahead of time. Okay? Yes. In addition to that, the credit score of this client, the highest credit score you can have is an 850. Minus 50 points from that, and there you go. I didn't tell them what the score was. I gave them the mathematical equation for them to figure it out. <laughs> so, salaried borrowers, and they have not been affected by COVID. Wow. Now, the other thing I'll tell you, Ben, about Mr. and Mrs. Smith, they have only made a couple offers. They're very selective on what they're looking for. So congratulations on a phenomenal listing. I was actually excited to see that they submitted this offer. I have to tell you a little bit about the buyer's agent, Kimberly Austin. I don't know if you know who she is, but she does a lot of business in this local market. She is a true professional. Ben, have you ever worked with her? I have once or twice, yes. Good. Then I don't need to tell you that she's full-time, a phenomenal communicator, and what I love the most about Kimberly is she's not going to let a transaction fall apart over something weird. You know what I mean? I do. I do. Good. Now, I looked at my database. You and I have never had the opportunity to work together, so I'm excited that we can put this transaction together. But i got to tell you a little bit about cross-country. Everything is in-house. Our underwriters are here. We're Fannie, Freddie, Jenny Direct. We underwrite the file in our office, process it, originate it all right here in the great state of Colorado. I don't have to go to Texas to get an answer. I can walk down the hall. The nice part, too, is we've already fully vetted and qualified this client. Literally, let's get the appraisal and title, and we can close tomorrow. Love it. Absolutely love it. How many of you all wish your lenders would make that call on every offer that you make that you know is going to be either super tight, super tough, or in multiple offers? I think we could all agree with that. I feel like, like I said before, is I can sell the agent better than the agent's going to sell sell themselves, right? Absolutely. If I don't get them on the phone, just a couple quick tactics because I know we gotta we got to start wrapping up. Send a video. This is Gavin Ekstrom with Cross Country Mortgage. Ben, you don't know me, but I got to tell you about Mr. and Mrs. Smith. They are absolutely amazing, right? And just do what I just said. The tagline says the winning offer, and then it's me waving my hand in a, a quick little video. If we did a better job about that and, and, and going along those lines real quick, Ben, I will ask you, just like you said, hey, Ben, how many offers have you had on the property? Role play, go. Four offers already. You've had four. Yeah. Ben, you understand that the highest and best offer doesn't always guarantee a closing. Would you agree? I definitely agree with that, yes. I don't know if this is the highest and best offer, but what I can guarantee you, Ben, I'll get it to the closing table. And I feel like if you share that with your seller, it may be the winning offer that we're talking about today. Absolutely. Lastly, what time are you going to be meeting with the seller to present the offer? We're going to meet at 4.30 this afternoon. 4.30 this afternoon. Great. This is my personal cell phone. When you're presenting the offer, if you or the seller have any questions at all, would you do me a favor? Sure. Would you just reach out to me and so I could answer those questions? I would certainly do that, yes. Perfect. 
Based on what we've talked about, do you think this is a contract that we can put together? It's really close. That's how I do it. I love it. And you can, Gavin probably could go even a step further and go, how close is it? Yeah, I would. Yes. Take a time, a six to one, right? Because here, here's the thing. I want to get the clues to get back to Kimberly and give her that information, right? I share this with my team all the time. Us, especially from the realtor's perspective, us realtors are lazy people historically, okay? We've proven it time and time again. And one of the areas that we're the laziest on, right, is asking questions. Another beautiful thing about real estate agents is we're all egocentric. We all think that we're the smartest people in the room. So, therefore, by not asking questions, right, it means that we already think that we have it all figured out or everyone loves us. And the truth of the matter is, is that we have to trust in the process, and that is asking a ton of questions. I have seen it happen time and time again. We have gotten so many deals done because we asked that one extra question, right? And we found out that one thing that makes the difference, because just like with our clients, head, heart, and gut, right? Are they thinkers, right? Are they people who just know everything, or are they super emotional? Breaking their personality down, we have to do the same thing with the realtors that we're working with on the other side that's representing the sellers. And then we have to ask them what type of sellers that they have so we can gather that information, Right? Some people want to be able to come back to the house and look at that magnolia tree that they looked at. I will write that down. I will put that in special stipulations sometimes to make a deal happen, right? Sellers have permission to come back with 24-hour notice to come see the magnolia tree in the backyard if they're super emotional about it, right? These are the little tricks of the trade that make the difference in getting an offer accepted, and that's the purpose of this class, understanding it. So now we've prepared for the offer, we've presented the offer, now becomes the follow-up to the offer. So, Gavin, we're now following up the offer because I want to leave about the last 10 minutes for Q&A because I feel like we're going to have a lot of questions around some of the stuff that we talked about. What are some things that you do or that you've seen your realtors do on the follow-up to an offer? So I like it to playing chess versus checkers. Yes. Right? We've got to get really good from the lender and agent perspective of becoming good chess players. The rest of our industry, let them go ahead and play checkers. We want to be a move ahead, right? Uh, and I'll, and I'll, re- I'll go back just to page 114. I submit this with every pre-approval letter. So lenders, you should do the same. So every pre-approval letter has these questions to ask the lender, and I'm already giving it to the listing agent to solidify our offer and put it to the top. As far as, as, follow, as, far as the follow-up is concerned, that's where the fortune is, right? And I feel like if they don't take our, our offer, we never go back and ask, why not? Was it just price? What was it? And then – Unfortunately, 65% of all transactions have something wrong with it, and about 30% of those do tend to fail. So it's an opportunity to be in a backup position, right? I will even call on transactions that we did not become the lender on, they didn't accept our offer, and ask that same question. 
hey, Ben, what happened? What could we have done better? I'd like this information so I can prepare our client as well as the agent. Is there anything you want to share? It's okay to ask that question. But I think so often it's like off to the next, off to the next. If we could just really focus on the client that we have and their expectations, we have a better shot of seeing that to the finish line. Gavin, what are some, like your top, your top realtors, how much would some of your top realtors do in annual production? How much would they do? As far as total size, I, I would say 100 to 120. That's a, that's a great, you know, so it's 10 a month that they're doing that they're closing. Now, the best of the best that you have when it comes to follow-up, how quickly would you think that they follow up after an offer has been presented? Some of the, the, the better ones, write this down, have what we call IMA, <laughs> immediate massive action, right? Because this, the selling agent wants to make it easy for them. If you are highly communicative, right, they're going to want to work with you. If they have to chase you down, they're not going to want to work with you, so you want to make it easy. So they follow up the, the the top tier. I notice they follow up immediately. I got this from Greg Gale yesterday. They're politely persistent. I love it. Love it. So, and you can, as an agent, even use that when talking to the listing agent. I'm going to be politely persistent through this transaction. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. It just saves them time, which is money. I always hear people like my agents, they'll always come, they'll say, so how long should I wait? You know, when should I call them? Should I call them at six hours after it's been submitted the next day? And I said, now, when you feel it's necessary, take action. That's the worst thing to do is just sit stagnant for your client, right? Now, you don't want to wear them out. you got to read the room. you got to read the relationship there with the other listing agent. But I love this IMA. I'm going to totally steal that and use that. I've never heard that before, but I love it. So thank you for sharing that because it's true. It's true. Let's do this. We've got about, uh, it looks like right at 10 minutes, 9, 10 minutes left in the class. Let's go ahead and open up for Q&A. Because one of the things I want to make sure everyone walks away with is an opportunity for their market, their circumstances, their situations to be improved as they move forward. All right. We do have some questions that have came in throughout the class. I'll just start rolling them off to you guys. Uh, Gavin, this is a question from Nick Lynn. Do you role play with your agents? Do they know the information that you're sharing with the listing agent? My top tier agents, I talk to once a week on a scheduled call. Part of that is we do discuss role play, what to say, how to say it, tonality. I want them to know how I sell them, right, in case there's something that they want me to say differently. Um, if I said I role play with all of them, no, but I do my select ones that want to get better, I love to role play. So the top tier ones, I role play consistently with. So everyone, every realtor, I'm going to share with you all, every realtor that's on the call right now, in the next two weeks, if you don't set up a one-on-one -on -one meeting with your top two or three lenders to understand what type of conversation that they're having with your clients as well as with the other listing agents through this process, 
I'm going to tell you, shame on you. But I would set that up in the next two weeks as one of your initiatives. And if you do that, it'd be one of the best things that you could do. One, deepen the relationship between you and that supportive lender, right? And number two, having an understanding on how you can coach them, how you need them to go through that process as well. Because lenders need to be coached on how they need to communicate with both clients and the other side of the transaction as well. Puts us in flow. We're just consistently in rhythm. Yeah, right? I love that. Love All right, that. Ben, this is a question for you. Um, you only refer one lender to each client, but how many lenders do you support? And if you support more than one, what is the best way to decide which one that you're referring at that time? Absolutely. So the first thing, like I shared with you all, that relationship that you have with your lender is of utmost importance, right? That is going to be the key to your success of locking down deals consistently and maintaining a relationship with your clients. So I have four lenders that my team supports at a high level. And what I mean at a high level, a good realtor would refer their lender, a really good realtor would refer their lender two or three transactions a month. And I think Gavin would be very happy if he had a lender that referred him two or three closings per month. Would you agree with that, Gavin? Absolutely. So first and foremost, you want to be able to support. So my team, the amount of production my team does, we're able to support four realtors. The second part of that question is, is how do I know how to refer the right client? One, Ask a lot of questions of your client, right? And then two, be in relationship with your realtor. You have to do more than just business with your lender, in my opinion. I believe that you have to live life with them. That's my style. That's my methodology is to be in deep relationship. Because here's what I know. If I can go play four hours of go- around a golf with one of my lenders, I'm going to find out a lot about that guy in that four hours, yes. right? And I'm going to know what his strengths and what his weaknesses are. And then when I refer clients to him, I know he's not going to piss that client off. I know he's not going to not ask the right questions and go to the depth that's necessary to make sure that transaction is is a great transaction. We want client experience as much as client closure. We want them to get to the end of the table and not just have a deal done, but walk away with a huge smile on their face every time. So it's important to be in deep relationship. That's what I want you all to take away from this. If you don't take away anything else, find people that you like and you believe that can get the job done and go deep with them. I just don't understand why lenders work with agents that when the phone rings, they don't want to answer it. Like I'm excited to answer the call every single time because I work with my friends. I do life with them. They've been to my house. I've been to their house. We've gone on vacation together. It solidifies that relationship. Absolutely. All right, and just a follow-up on that, Ben, how do you train your team to connect buyers with the appropriate lender? Absolutely. So my lenders come in. My lenders come in generally once a month. All the lenders that I use and that I work with, they come in once a month, and then I have lenders that have taken great initiative to being engaged with all my agents on a weekly basis, right? So they do the training of engagement back and forth. We do a weekly training with all of my staff. It's on Mondays during our pipeline, right, where we will role play that level of engagement. And then my best lenders have connection points 
each week with them as well, where they will give them, like I have one of my lenders, and I think he's even in this class right now, he gives them Wednesday, Wednesday, or excuse me, Wednesday wisdom, and he sends a video out to them and gives them little insights of engagement to improve their client's circumstances and to improve their circumstances on getting deals done. Hey, real quick, I'll, I'll leave you with this, is we made a list of tactics, right, to use in a low inventory market. There are, I think, over 32 tactics. She's going to put them in the chat box so you guys can get them. Uh, we said one nugget, right? By a show of hands, how many of you have gotten at least one nugget? Good. We still got – do we have time for one more question, Cassie? We do. Um, let's see. Gavin, have you ever created a resume showing your track record that can be presented with the offer? Yes, I will send that out. I'll give it to you. I I, um, I have it in there. It shows the number of families we've helped, my team size. Uh, I'll send it to you, Cassie, so you can upload it. I love it. Uh, all right. And then can you guys role play um, with the lender to the listing agent call when the client is not the most ideal client? For example, someone with, you know, a 625 credit score, self-employed, 100% financing, Woo! Someone. <laughs> I like this. I like 100% it. 100% financing. Hey, you got to put some lipstick on this pig. Here, and this is exactly what I would do. Guys, I would make sure that my guarantees are solid, right? I would make sure, hey, Ben, this is not the most ideal client. It is so important before we take them out shopping that you give me the appropriate time to get them fully qualified, so when I do call the listing agent, I can make them sound like they are a top, top tier client. Now, I would put in a guarantee, right? If you're not using guarantees when you're talking to the listing agent, you're missing it. Give us some examples. Give us some examples. Uh, $10,000 on time closing guarantee. Ben. I will pay your seller $10,000 if we do not close on time. They will get a 1099 for it if that happens, but that just takes some of that fear away, huh. right? And when I when I role play that, I'm not going to talk about the credit score. I'm not going to I'm going to still talk about their their assets, I'm still going to talk about their income, their job stability. I just move away from the negatives. And then I would hammer home more on those guarantees. And I don't do any 100% financing loans. But FHA is a great loan. USDA is a great loan, right? we got one minute. Let's do a one-minute role play of the call to the listing agent with a less less than desired buyer. Perfect. Ring, ring. Hello, this is Ben. Hey, Ben. Gavin Ekstrom, Cross Country Mortgage. How are you? How are you doing, Gavin? I'm doing terrific. Hey, I know you're busy, so I'm going to be brief, but I'm calling about the listing on 123 Elm Street. Yes. I have the winning offer coming your way. Can I tell you a little bit about it? Absolutely. I got one minute. They've been fully qualified, credit, assets, and income through our underwriting department. Okay. Because they've done this, I can grant them a $10,000 on-time closing guarantee that could be even split up between you and, and your seller and the buyer if we did not close on time. Wow. Right? Never heard that. I was just about to ask you how many other offers you had 
in your in your stack there that gave you guarantees? Zero. How many offers do you have right now? Four. Four. I'm going to tell you, throw the other three away. This is the offer that I can guarantee will get to the closing table. Isn't that the most important thing? Size, guarantee. How do you not want to take that offer? I love it. Great job, Gavin. Good. All right. Awesome job. That, that's a wrap. We appreciate everyone showing up, and uh, let's go finish this uh, summit strong. See you guys. You've been listening to the Core's Sales Training Bootcamp. For registration information about our two-day business building summits, call 1-800-660-6670 or find us on the web at www.thecoretraining.com.